Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And as I read and reread the text today, Hebrews chapter 11, actually not today, I've been reading it all week um, because I'm going to be responsible to stand before you and teach God's word. And so it's cooking all week long because I want to give you what God wants you to have from this text. As I read over the text over and over again with the Lord, there's two, two titles I wrestled with. And, and one of them was, Our Faith Overwrites Our Failures. And uh, we'll talk about the other title in a moment. But um, the reason why I picked that title is because of all the, the heroes of faith that we read in Hebrews 11, and if you're familiar with the chapter, it's often called uh, the Hall of Faith, where many heroes of faith are mentioned and we look at their lives. If you know their stories, and we're going to look at each one of their stories, each one of them had weaknesses, Each one of them had failures in their life, bad decisions, sins. And yet, when the Holy Spirit brings them up in Hebrews chapter 11, God isn't focusing on any of those failures or sins or shortcomings. Instead, he retells their stories as if they were heroes of faith. And it focuses in, not on their failures, but on their faith. So, our faith overwrites our failures. I I, I really believe... It's the same thing for us in eternity future. How many of you guys have ever made mistakes? How many of you have ever made mistakes or sins as a Christian? Huh? I don't think God's going to bring it up in heaven. I think you're going to be saved by grace through faith and you're going to be commended and rewarded for your faith and he's not going to go over all the things you did wrong. And we'll see that it's all by the blood of Jesus, folks. The blood of Jesus washes away all of our sins. So, now, remember, the book of Hebrews is a letter written to Hebrew Christians, that's why it's called Hebrews, who were either tempted or confused under pressure of what exactly God expected of them. Because there was family and friends and neighbors saying, how come you're not doing what you used to do? How come you're not, how come you, it's all about this Jesus guy now. And you know, our our motto, if you know, is it's all about Jesus. And so they were, they were wrestling and trying to find the right place. They're under pressure from others to continue in the old ways just like always rather than just how, do you, how are you right with God? By going through all these steps or by trusting Christ as your Savior? Remember I told you the big danger and the way to recognize any cult is uh, the, the, the key signature of any cult is Jesus plus. 
Oh, yes, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, but you plus you need us. You need Jesus, and you need our organization, because we are the true church of God, and no other church is true like we are true. And we've got these extra books and extra revelations. You know, anybody like that? Don't point. But that, that's really one way to find or recognize a cult or false religion. And it could go either way. It's, it's like, yes, we have all this that makes us right with God. Oh, plus Jesus. That's wrong. And it's wrong on the other side. We have Jesus who makes us right with God. Plus this. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus. Jesus is all you need. And as a matter of fact, as I'm thinking about that, in James chapter 1 verse 27, James, the one who was a very strict Jewish believer, if he was, it would awe going to push uh, what's going to be, what makes you right with God? What do you need to do? You know what he pushes? Look at James chapter 1 verse 27. I'm going to read it from the New Living. Pure and genuine religion. Oh, don't you know what pure, don't you want to know what the answer is? What is pure and genuine religion? Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now, there's different ways you could spin this, but you know what it comes down to? It comes down to what you do, acts of love, and what you don't do, acts of sin. Pure and undefiled religion is, of course, it's not just what you don't do. People think, well, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. Well, it's two things. What do you do? It's love. Matter of fact, I I should tell you, your first fill-in. Pure and, and genuine religion is faith and love and holy living. Faith and love and holy living. Notice what he doesn't say. James, the, the Jew of Jews, Christian believer, if he wanted to say anything, you know, he, listen to this. Pure religion is not practicing all, practicing all the right religious rituals, doing all the right ceremonies, visiting the temple, making all the right sacrifices, because that's what they were always being pulled back to. And James says, you know what it is? It's loving God and loving people. It's caring about those who can't, can't take care of themselves, taking care of people who can't take care of themselves, loving those who can't love you back, and then it's keeping yourself clean from sin. James 1 27. It's, it's, it's worth your time to memorize that verse, okay? So to demonstrate this point, the Holy Spirit takes the first 10 chapters, which we've taken time in, to establish Jesus' superiority over all of the Old Covenant, all of the Old Testament. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the, all the prophets. He's greater than the priesthood. Uh, he's, his sacrifice overrides all the other sacrifices. He's the fulfillment of all the promises and all of the sacrifices and all of the, the types and figures in the Old Testament. We talked about the shadow of things versus the substance of things. And so now that we have all that out of the way, 10 chapters... It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is greater. He's greater than all the things that you want to trust in. All the things you want to run back to. Jesus is greater. Jesus is all you need. And now that we get that out of the way, we get to chapter 11. And it's time to focus on the all-important topic of how you're made right with God. Jesus. (laughs) How you're made right with God, it's by grace through faith. Now, Hebrews 11 keeps on pushing, actually all of Hebrews is talking about the the way to God is by grace through faith, not through religious works and, and legalism, okay? But what is faith? Well, 
Hebrews 11 is filled with explanations. What's it look like? Hebrews 11 shows 17 witnesses to demonstrate to us examples of what faith might look like in someone's life. The hall of faith. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11 started out, number, uh, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it the elders obtained a good testimony. What's he talking about? Who are the elders? We're looking at some of them in Hebrews 11. We're looking at some examples of how they got a good testimony before God simply through faith. Now we've already covered Enoch and Abel and Noah and we're speeding through this chapter. And today we're going to look at Abraham. Father, we ask that you'd help us as we begin to look at the, what's, who's called the father of our faith, Father Abraham. Help us to learn some lessons. Lord, you know what each one of us need to learn. You know what's lacking in each of our lives. You know where we fall short, and you know where we're confused. We need to be straightened out. So, Lord, we open our minds right now to your word. Lord, I pray that you help us to be willing to drop any preconceived ideas. There's so many different religious backgrounds represented, even in this small group of people. Lord, we want to know what you want to say to us. What needs to be fixed in our understanding, or in our lifestyle, or in our theology? Lord, speak to us. We're, we're listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Last week, we looked at Noah. And now we're in chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to, excuse me, when he was called out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Oh, so much to say here. Listen. Last week we saw that Noah had the obedience of faith. Well, guess what? We see the same thing with Abraham. I want you to know faith is not all by itself without any evidence to it. it faith isn't just, oh yeah, I believe. You know, you say believe in the Bible, but you don't live the Bible. You say believe in God, but you don't follow God. You don't spend time with Him. You don't obey Him. Uh-uh. Real faith, there's an obedience to faith. We saw it in Noah, and now we see it right here in verse 8 with, with uh, Abraham. And we're going to see the same thing with every man and woman of faith. There is an obedience of faith. And if you're a true Christian, there's going to be an obedience of faith. Now, look in that verse, verse 8, and it also says, He was called out, and he went out. There's obedience of faith. And that started, you think, well, that's easy to do. Well, he had to leave a whole lot behind. What would you do if God says, I want you to move? I just moved. <laughs> what would you do if God says, I want you to move and I want you to go leave Idaho and go out to, I'll tell you while you're on the way. I don't like that. I like to know where I'm supposed to go, right? But also notice here, it says in verse 8, not knowing where he was going. Oh, if you only knew how much I could relate to that. Because if you know me, I'm a directional dyslexic. I could get lost anywhere. Yesterday, I got lost going to the men's breakfast that I sent everyone directions to. Huh? I, it's my unspiritual gift, getting lost. Okay? And so, uh, I wish I knew where, now I knew where I was supposed to go, I just didn't know where it was. Okay? Now, all joking aside, faith is trusting God when you don't know all the details. Faith is trusting God when there's some vital information missing and he just says, do this, and you go, 
I got some questions and he's not answering your questions. Are you going to obey him? Every man and woman of faith we see in Hebrews 11 had challenges like that. I mean, let's be fair. Real. How many of you know where you're going? Don't raise your hand. How many of you really know where you're going? You know exactly where you're going to be five years from now. Stay. You don't. How many of you know exactly? See, that's why I took the microphone down. Get over here. How many of you know what your health will be like in five years, ten years? You don't. How many of you know what kind of job you're going to have, where you're going to be working in three, six, eight years? Well, you might guess, but you don't really know. Look at the economy. How many of you know what your financial situation will be like in five or ten years? You know, life is filled with unknowns. And that's why we need faith. And folks, I want to tell you something. This has been good for me. I don't know about you, but this, studying this has been good for me because there is a dozen things in my life of unknowns that I go, but what about, and, and yet, how do I plan for, and, and, what I, and the Lord just says, just keep following me. Just keep obeying me. That's the life of faith. And my prayer for each of you, and we were praying before service about this, is that you, as well as me, as well as all of us on the team, that we'd learn to walk in faith not knowing where we're going. We don't know where we're going to be two, four, six, eight years. There's so many things we don't know and, and we just got to learn to trust God. So faith is not knowing where you're going sometimes, okay? Now, what I want to do with our time together today is I want to lay some groundwork and explain a little bit about Abraham. There's some things you probably don't know. I mean, it was good for me to review this. Uh, I want to look at Abraham beneath the surface because we know that Abraham, he's called the father of faith. And he's the patriarch of all the Jews and by the way, of the Muslims too because the Muslims look, look to Ishmael as the favorite son where the Jews look to Isaac. Now, Abram which was his name before God changed it to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. He was born, let me just put the time schedule out for you. He was born a little bit after the Tower of Babel and quite a bit after Noah's flood. Remember we looked at Noah's flood uh, last week? Uh, there was Noah and the flood in Genesis chapter 6. Let's put it in perspective here. And then there was this great population growth after the, the ark landed and everybody got off. Uh, they replenished the earth in Genesis chapter 10. And then it was followed by a mass migration to Babylon, seemed to be the place to hang out in Genesis chapter 11. And then in Genesis chapter 11, as we see the population grow, they began to build this tower. You've heard the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And then they were all scattered because God confused their language. I thought it was kind of fun. I like that little thing. Hello? Hola? Hola? God just scattered them by dividing their speech. But you know what struck me on this as I was thinking on this? God just destroyed the whole earth because of their wickedness. And it didn't take long for them to be worshiping another God or false religion all over again. And that's why, and I've talked to you about this before, that's why you see different denominations. Because every time God does a revival, starts a revival and the church is planted and everything's excited, and then uh, it didn't take long for it to corrupt. And I have this theory that the different main denominations, the ones that's been around, the ones that have been around the longest are the ones that are the most corrupt. <laughs> you can do your own homework on that. But we just tend to ruin everything. 
God makes something perfect and man gets his hands on it, women too, I don't want to leave you out. And we know how to mess it up. And so here we are at the Tower of Babel. They met, it didn't take long, a couple generations, and, and God's going, okay, scatter. And he scattered them. And then in, in chapter 11, we begin to see the genealogies of Noah's sons, or specifically his son Shem. And, and this genealogy goes to Abraham and mentions Abraham's father, Terah, and then Abraham. So that's putting the pieces of the puzzle together. But before God called Abram, he too was an idolater. You think God just picked Abraham out because he was a true worshiper of God? No, I got some bad news for you. You know, uh, we're told that uh, Abraham was born and raised in Ur of the Chaldees, of the Chaldees, and, and, and it was—it's actually where modern Iraq is, in the southeast part of the country. And in Joshua twenty-four two, we're told that Abraham and his father both worshipped idols. And, and we could make an educated guess about their religion by looking at the history because we do have uh, our uh, archaeology and we've done some digs and we could look at the history of the religious artifacts that were dug up from that period. And Ur of the Chaldees was an ancient city that flourished until about 300 B.C. And there, we've discovered this great ziggurat of Ur which was build, built by Ur-Namu around 2100 B.C. And it was dedicated to Nana, the moon god. Sounds like grandma or something, you know, don't you call it, some of you call your grandma Nana, just don't bow down and worship her. But there was Nana, the moon god. It didn't take long for man to get corrupt from knowing the one true God, God wiping out the earth because of wickedness, they start all over again, and it's not too long before they're wicked again. Now, the moon was worshipped as, as the power that controlled the heavens and the cycle of life. And to the Chaldeans, the phases of the moon represented natural cycles of birth and growth and decay and death. And they also set the measurement of their yearly calendar. Now, among the pantheon of Mesopotamian gods, Nana was supreme. And because he was the source, according to them, of fertility for the crops and herds and families and prayers and offerings were offered to the moon to invoke his blessing. This is where Abraham came out of. Abraham and specifically Terah who led him in this way. And so God called Abram in Genesis chapter 12 and he told him to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. There's a time just to get away from all that because I want you to Get away from everything, and especially your old religion. You know when God calls people, he often calls them like this. Now, I'm gonna, the reason I'm taking my time with this is because there's so much analogy between Abraham. I mean, how many of you guys have a past that you're not proud of? Huh? The rest of you don't want us to know you're not proud of your past. Okay? I mean, Abraham, father of faith, he had a past he wasn't proud of. He didn't always worship the one true God. But God called him and got his attention and told him, I want you to leave all that behind. And it reminded me of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Paul said, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That was another false god of that day. What part has a believer with an unbeliever? 
And what agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, listen to this, it's quoting the Old Testament, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And Paul goes on to say, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we're all on this journey. We all have a past. We all have things God's calling us out of. It's always to the Lord, but we're all coming away from different things. We all have different backgrounds and past. We all have different sins, different habits, different addictions, different gods that we followed, so to speak, different idols in our life. But God's calling us all out of it to follow him, just like Abraham. Now, we don't know what Abraham knew about the one true God when he was first called, but, but it's likely that as time went on, you know, he, he got some instruction, maybe from his father, maybe experience with the Lord. And as... as um, as a worshiper of other gods, Abram must have been surprised to hear a call from the one true God. Because, you know, the moon god didn't usually talk to you. Nana, now you're going to be able, if there's somebody in your life you call Nana, you're gonna, you'll never look at them the same. <laughs> and and you know, my, my uh, grandson calls me Papa, even though he's 18 years old, almost 19 this month, and he still calls me Papa. So if there's ever a false god, Papa, that's going to ruin it for him, okay? But listen, the moon god, all these other deities, they don't talk. As Isaiah says, mouths they have, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. Ears have they, but they hear not. That's the way false gods are. But so Abraham had a real surprise because this god talked to him. And, and so when, <laughs> I think, uh, no kidding, when you hear from a god that actually talks to you, you're going to obey so Abraham obeyed God's call, and when he arrived in the land of Canaan, he built an altar to Yahweh, the one true God, at Shechem. And that's recorded in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there will he, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so Abraham actually became known as an altar builder. Everywhere he went, he built an altar to the Lord. And God's appearance to Abraham, it was a deciding factor. It, it, he, he knew which was the true God, and now he followed him. I'll tell you something. If God has shown himself to you, and you know God the Father and God the Son, and you know Christianity is, is true and Jesus is real, don't turn course. Don't let anything dissuade you or persuade you. Hold course and keep building your, the altar of your life unto him. Now, Hebrews 11 Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called out to the place which he would receive an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, uh, this was all a result of what we read in, in Ur, where God appeared to him. And it's a picture of faith in action. When God shows himself to you, you could tell which ones really believe by the ones who respond. It's funny, I always like to use an illustration that uh, what faith looks like. If I told you, folks, we just got a, the police department just called us and there's been a, this isn't real, I'm making it up. There's been a bomb threat and there's a bomb somewhere in this school gym and we need to evacuate. 
how could you tell which ones believe me? How could you tell what, what people believe me? They go, right? But the ones who stay go, good one, Mike. <laughs> But when you, when you see Mike leave, you better leave too. So the thing is, faith has evidence to it. There's an obedience to faith. Faith has action behind it. So Abraham continued to learn about this one true God as time went on. And by the time we get to Genesis 14, Abraham himself calls God Yahweh, the Lord, God most high, creator of heavens and earth. So he went from moon God to God of gods who created all things. He began to learn. And we're all in process. We're all in journey. Some of you don't know as much about God as, as you should, but I tell you, there's no excuse because we all have a Bible, and this is the way you learn. You don't learn. From, there's all kinds of weird cults and weird teachers out there, and YouTube. Be aware of YouTube. Some of the greatest blessings and some of the greatest curses you could find on YouTube, okay? This should be your tube to God right here, okay? You, you read your Bible. Now, later, God appeared to Abraham And he, he told him even more. Let, let's look at the Genesis chapter 17, starting with verse 1. It says, When Abraham was 99 years old, yes, he was the late bloomer, uh, God appeared to Abram and, and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. This is the promise that he'd have many descendants. Pay attention here. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father to many nations. Do you hear what he's saying? This single man at 99 who's never had kids, you're going to be the father of many nations. And I will establish, verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will give you and your descendants after you the land. Now, I'll tell you what, all of the Old Testament, the focus is the land, the promised land. All of the laws, all of the promises, everything's all about the land or having the land taken away when you're bad, being put back in when you obey. Uh, it's all about the land. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.